Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. When Carrie could dance, oh, happy, happy days. days. And when a Seema could prance, oh, happy days. When the ladies were free, oh, happy days. And they danced for me. They were dancing oh. for themselves. Yeah. And we didn't even see them dancing. Hello, welcome along to the ninth installment and in Not Just and Just Like That, which is getting a lot of the coverage, a lot of the prestige, but also... The ninth episode of our coverage of And Just Like That, which is, I would describe as an underground sensation. Yeah. I am Guy Montgomery. I'm Tim Bat. And we just watched, I can't even remember the name of the episode, I didn't write it down, episode nine, I believe, something along the lines of no strings attached. Or- that would make sense. Let's go with that. If okay. it's not that, it should be that. It was, uh, <laughs> I, I, you know what, Tim? What? I like was totally swept up in the world of that yeah. episode. It yeah. was they got us full immersion. Yeah, um, just- we can't. It is it is hard um, for the ninth because we're watching this in a normal fashion of one, one watch per episode as it occurs, <laughs> as it's coming out in sequence, and it is difficult to maintain the regular worst idea bird's eye view separation from the product. Um, we're starting to consume it as it was designed to be consumed uh, mentally. And I, like, I like the way that you've... An descri- interesting phenomenon. I like the way you've described it. And I love the experience of, um, <laughs> well, I don't know, like watching something together, which almost feels like it's for pleasure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does at this point. Uh, Not quite. It's t- no, yeah. There's, because I wouldn't voluntarily put it's on... It's still a curiosity, like yeah. That. But we're so deep. We've spent so much time. And it, do you know what is... The last thing I wrote down, which is really impressive to me about this, like, I think the first episode was over that 40-minute barrier, but basically everything since is, is clocked, as as told by the streaming platform at 35. And especially in this episode, the amount of different threads of story that they were, you know, like, handling. The editing of this episode felt very frenetic. Yeah, but it was so it was so dense. I was like, how is this... Only 35 minutes of TV because I feel like they've bitten off like, you know, a 40, 44 broadcast minutes worth of... Maybe that's something to do with 
we're so used to, you know, you and I, maybe this is different for younger people now, but you and I grew up in an age of traditional broadcast television where everything was written for 22 minutes. And also a lot of shows were written to be very replenishable. So sitcoms. Yeah. I'm thinking your Chuck Lorre joints, you know, you don't want to get too ambitious with your storylines because, you know, you had to come back and write another one week after week after week, hopefully forever. Mm. And that's how you became a millionaire living in Malibu. Um, but with this, Mattress Pikelet King and the gang knew from the outset that they were really only going to get one hit at this, 10 episodes, a huge writer's room. There's so I, many different writers involved in, across the yeah, series. I feel like they're poised for a second hit at this. Do you think? I, I don't just expect a second season. I want one. Oh, God. <laughs> Big words from Guy Montgomery. Hot off the train. And this is like, I, I'm, I, I don't, you know, like, I still have my problems sure of course but i just you got carried away i have been carried away as uh samantha jones would say so this the pre-wedding toast of big and carry this um this series and particularly this ninth episode has done what the movies were designed to do Which bring is, people back into the universe yeah. Although you never had the experience of the initial tv series nor i so yeah. we're being swept back up into the movie franchise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's doing like it's. Do you know what it's doing that the movies didn't? What? Like it's it's advancing everyone's lives forward, and the yeah, movie, the movies literally were just retreating the same emotionally tumultuous territory that Carrie existed in for the entire. I'm guessing of the series, like all it was was is Carrie going to get with Big? How's Carrie going to? fuck up being with big and then like there's a variety of boxes to tick and you know ca- like checks to cash throughout those movies mm. but this is like you know we've seen devastating development with respect to steve yeah but we've seen everything it's actually moving forward in a way that feels satisfying and like there's momentum instead of just treading water to use a visual metaphor it's as if the movies are a water rat that has not been unified by brady's army yet Mm -hmm. just swimming around treading water (laughs) burning calories needlessly um running a risk of exhausting itself with no food supply and getting absolutely nowhere and then dying Mm. whereas this series and just like that is as if it is a rat that has been ushered into brady's fold supported by the other rats, nourished by the systems yeah. the rats have created. Has, has essentially bought into the concept that together we are stronger. Yeah. I also we can move forward as a just pack. have to put an addendum to this sort of observation we're making of ourselves in the series and that maybe one of the reasons it felt like when we were watching the movies we were treading water is because <laughs> that was the very basis of the way we were watching. That is a very <laughs> astute observation and one that I am shocked both of us glossed over for even a moment. <laughs> yeah, they made these fucking movies that we watch 52 times a piece and it's like, hey man, nothing's happening here. I guess I'll go watch it again to see if these characters develop. Jesus Christ, the lack of self-awareness from the frosty fellas at the moment. I tell you what, it is a concern, frankly. Oh, wow. It is a worry. Do you know, it's what not, are we up to? It's not, it's just like, you know, there is a staggering 
sort of observation of ourselves to be able to make, which is like just genuinely the conditioning we've put ourselves through, which is like we are totally oblivious to the absurdity of mm. the way in which we've consumed this universe so far. Hey, uh, just fucking, you know, those Sex and the City movies, they went well received, eh? Just going to quickly crack through 52 watches of that. That's normal, right? Yeah, yeah, that's a totally chill thing to do. Uh, so in this episode, basically, almost every single character that has been introduced across the span of this series so far yeah. is given the opportunity to have some screen time it's true. and advance their cause. That is a good point. And that is, I think, part of why I enjoyed it so much is because a lot of the time it feels like there's not... It, it, it feels like they're introducing people or situations to satisfy the needs of the episode, but mm. there's no bigger picture. Yeah. And then in this, it was almost like they were saying, hey, actually, we're aware that everyone's existing at the same time on the same timeline. And I just, you know, it, I enjoy... Also, there was... I mean, you were laughing from the outset. There were, there were Look, genuine... Not laugh- like throughout, but there were some great cracking lines in this episode. Really, really good. Um... I've got. I've written some of them down for you. If oh, you... Yeah, good. oh, how? Okay, so right at the outset. Uh, so we start Kat, do you roughly. Know what? This is the way that you were laughing. Hmm. Kat, you were engaging with Carrie on the the terms and level at which yes. it's assumed everyone's meant to engage. You got with me, it. guy. Yes, I was. Yeah, and I'm happy for you. Miranda is trying to corral the gals to join her at a um like a community event painting a I think it's a homeless shelter. Mm. They're repainting it. In Greenpoint. In Greenpoint, New York. And uh Carrie says, How do I say no? And then Miranda like starts giving the details and Carrie's like, No, no, seriously, <laughs> how do I say no? <laughs> Which is like that's funny. It's funny and she I haven't heard that before. She went back for a second bite of a similar sort of comedic ryth- rhythmic apple, which was um Charlotte's then talking about how she, you know, she, the others have experienced menopause before her and now she thinks it's, you know, she's like, you know how I keep talking about how I haven't had menopause yet? Yeah. I think I'm done. And then Carrie comes in with a perfectly pitched mentioning it. Yeah. You know, like it's two from two. It's very good. It's a, it's a rarity that the quips that, because the quips like. The The bar is pretty low for me at this point. Absolutely. But one of the criticisms I have of Carrie's quips across all of my exposure to her is that they they always feel laboured. It doesn't feel like a funny person being funny in a moment or in a conversation. It feels like a line of comedy dialogue written for a character. Yeah. And very rarely do we penetrate that level and all of a sudden we're actually spending time with a funny person a lot hanging of out with their friends. Sirens go off yeah. and, and there's big red flashing lights saying, you know, pun incoming. Yeah. Or funny line exactly. being delivered. And but this was just a naturalistic chuck it out there and it was funny. And and Cynthia Nixon had a couple cracking. Well, lines so as I, well. I will say and this. I mean, I, I came in um heavily against Miranda in the last episode just because of I think the heartbreak she was doling out to Steve, which I, I still think was, uh, is, I don't know if Callus is overstepping it. I think yeah. it is, I don't know that it is, but um, there is a, a freedom and a liberation to Miranda's character now that she is outside of this marriage. Still, she's left heavy collateral in the form of Steve, and we see, you know, the extent of his heartbreak throughout the episode. Yeah, you were audibly groaning in empathy for this guy. But I was eyeing. There's a there's a freedom to Miranda. I was eyeing at the fact that he said he's never going to take his wedding ring off. Yeah. 
Miranda has left him pretty insensitively without even an attempt to repair the marriage. She's left point. him like she's pretty much dropped on him. He fucking turned up to paint the homeless shelter because it was a prior agreed engagement and brought Brady along and is playing nice with everyone and is being a total fucking sweetheart. Yeah. And then, sorry to get out in front of the plot here, but Carrie drops her wedding ring, Big's wedding ring, which she has now put on at the end of the episode down a drain accidentally after getting paint on her shoe and trying to wash it off. With soap, which so, pissed you off. Because you got to use fucking mitts. It's not water paint. It's house paint. It's not going to cut anyway. So Steve grabs a wrench and disassembles the plumbing to retrieve this wedding ring for Carrie and console her and calm her down and gets it successfully immediately because he's a fucking man's man (laughs) and then gives it to Carrie and then Carrie's like, don't you think you should take your wedding ring off at some point, Steve? And he said, I'm never taking this off. I don't really mind what Miranda does in the future, how she chooses to treat the situation. I'm never taking this off. And it broke my fucking heart. Especially because Steve is... Rightfully, this episode I would rename to Steve in the City. Because I, I just. I'd call it Steve in the Suburbs. Okay. And I'd have like a crying, what, what that single tear emoji afterwards, perhaps. <laughs> and then also maybe like this. Not enough emojis in episode titles. I know. That's how we communicate now. Mm-hmm. Get with the Times Mattress Pilot, who co wrote this episode, by the way, mm. and is responsible for probably the most interesting, aka worst bits. But Steve, Steve is interrogating Carrie about. Miranda leaving him and, you know, the timeline of when it felt like as a friend these decisions were being made. Yeah. And Carrie says, well, for what it's worth, Miranda said it, it, it's not about woman. It's not about, like, being able to see or being attracted to woman. Mm. It's about Shay. Mm. And when I heard that, understandable from Miranda's perspective, but I was like, I mean, fucking hell. Steve here is just like, just trying to make sense of anything. Yeah, is that where you're well, at? I just, I just like, I also kind of felt like in that scene they like sort of misgendered Shay just by how they were. They Ste- were- no, that was that was representing Steve getting his because this is how freshly the information's been dropped. On yeah, Steve. yeah, yeah. That was a representation of Steve getting his head around these like dramatic. No, I'm not talking about what Steve's doing. I'm talking about some lines that Carrie said. It was just how they that how they were kind of phrasing the. Um, basically, is Miranda gay now? And I don't know. It was just it felt a bit oh, awkward and weird to me how the way that Carrie was framing it. But maybe that's me being well, a little yeah. trigger happy. Well, it's difficult, isn't it? Because it's not necessarily for us to say. Well, I don't think it's been particularly well laid out in the show as well, which I I guess is fine. They're not anyway. meant to give us a roadmap. But I just think Steve has had to handle. I. Uh, I look, I, Listen, I can heart, I, I... Our heart bleeds for Steve. I, I don't want to hijack where you're going with this, but I feel like I need to. Yeah. Because I, I can't believe that we are so far in, 14 minutes into a conversation. And we haven't mentioned... And we haven't mentioned... For the... This is... I just... <laughs> I cannot get my fucking head around that this moment happened and the treatment of it in the show. Uh, honestly, I... um. Almost applaud it. I take my hat off to it. So <laughs> we haven't seen Anthony. We haven't seen Anthony for all of the last episode. He wasn't featured and we didn't miss him. And then in this episode, all of a sudden he's introduced. 
He one of his fucking burly bread delivery guys out there. So he's walking one of the hot fellas in a sort of hot guys. denim romper, yeah, short sleeve, short legged denim romper, saying, "I'm one of the hot guys now. Yeah. I'm bringing my new guy over for dinner." He looks like he's doing an impersonation of a hot gay guy, yeah, because just because of like he's a little, he's a little bit, he's still fucking smoking, in my opinion. He's a he's a hot guy, uh, but he's a little bit older and he's almost like cosplaying as a hot guy. And yeah. He's talking with this very broad Brooklyn accent to Charlotte because they've got a dinner on the books and he said can I bring over someone who I've just started dating to dinner tonight and she said yes is he child appropriate and like so what I thought was so funny about this was normally you know I what I was expecting and I thought would be totally reasonable is to actually take a bit of umbrage at that and be like what are you saying about my taste of men how dare you be so judgmental uh you know righty righty rah but he did it. He just said, yeah, no, I think so. I looked all over the internet and I couldn't see a picture of his dick anywhere. Just fully took the ball and ran with it, yeah. you know, on her terms, which was great. So we know that there's a new guy in Anthony's life. He brings her over. Uh, sorry, he brings him over to Charlotte's house for dinner. Context, Charlotte is dealing with Lily, who's... Uh, She's got new period that's like established, um, yeah. but she has just she's she's going to a pool party in the Hamptons in a month, and she's just got a period now, which means she's going it's to be on her period yep. at the pool party. So she's finally heavily and having yeah, to wrestle. Charlotte says either you cannot go to the pool party or you can learn to use a tampon, which she like, has so far been uh, completely uninterested in and rejected using a tampon. So so a lot a lot of this episode of Charlotte's bit centers around. Her and Lily navigating and that. Honestly, that was a fun B story. Yeah, it was. I, I, yeah. It was a lot of fun and games. There was an insane montage, which was totally a massive departure from anything Big that's time. happened in this season. Big but, time. But, but it kind like, of worked. Sort of like broad. It was like a John Hughes yeah, montage. Or, yeah, it was like it was broad, like almost yeah, John Hughes to mid two thousands comedy montage scene. Yeah, yeah. Like, Maybe like a um uh What's his name? Todd Phillips. Yeah, yeah. Charlotte's presenting all these sorts of motivational tricks and ways for Lily to insert the tampon, and Lily's rejecting all of the information. That's all by the by, because the biggest swing of the entire episode, the most phenomenal moment, I'd say, in the nine episodes we've watched, man, just like that today. This was breathtaking. It took my breath away. So the guests arrive, Anthony and his partner. and And Charlotte's instructed... Runkle to take a dish that I can't remember the name of it's like out of the hala. It's the it's a Jewish it's traditional traditional bread. Jewish uh, yeah bread, and so she has to run away and deal with Lily because Lily is like finally plucked up the courage to learn how to use the tampon. Um, this is happening at the exact moment that the guests are scheduled to arrive. So, and before that, you were before that. Here's a great thing: is before that, we're watching the scene being set up, and we've got Charlotte's finally dealing with Lily putting, and like. There's also, even before that, sorry to keep elongating this moment. But this we is get, real Russian dolls. We get of, some great Charlotte cooking footage, which yeah. I, I love seeing Charlotte. I love seeing Kristen Davis acting in a kitchen. Like, it's a real <laughs> performance of what cooking looks like. I remember the cupcakes in Sex and yeah. the City, too. It's just like... it's and ve- Oscar it's, de la Renta yeah, It's very fun. It's very funny. And there's a lot happening. She's getting the meal ready. She's got this- oh, wait. Versace? Okay. Wait, Oscar, it was Oscar de la Renta. Okay. Oh, oh no, no, no! You're thinking of when she gets the handprints on yeah, her ass. Yeah. I'm thinking of Kara's wedding dress. I apologise. We're getting our designers. Yes, that's by it, the by. Yeah, so there's a lot happening. The guests arrive. Finally, it's time for the tampon. She's the guests the- are Anthony, yep. and his partner. Bread in the oven. Tampon time. Guests are here. New part. New best best friend's new partner. 
There's a lot on the go. And so they arrive. She lets them in. She says to Harry, Harry, make these guys a drink. Please get the bread out of the oven in 10 minutes, the huller, get it out in the oven in 10 minutes. I've got to go and tend to something. And so we're left. Charlotte walks out of the scene and we're left with Anthony, his new partner, and Runkle all standing in the entry of their house. And Oh my God, just thinking about it makes me tears. Anthony's new boyfriend is like, huh, is this a Jewish dinner? And Runkle's like, yeah. And then Anthony's new boyfriend says, wow, you know the Holocaust is a hoax, right? And then Anthony's just like, get out! And then it cuts. And that's the whole scene. We cut to like Carrie or something after that. Fingering her wedding ring. What the fuck is going on? Is Is it a comedy beat? It is so shocking. It comes out of nowhere (laughs) and is not addressed at all. Like it is. It is madness. And it has Mattress Pike Lit King's fingerprints all over it. Absolutely, it does. A lot the, 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 the playing with a, a topic far beyond his sort of um, like control or powers as a writer. And he's like, hey, this will be a funny satirical reference he, to what's happening in America right now. He, he, co, he co-wrote it. So you can just see the other writer being like... Yeah, but he's also EPing the whole series. Exactly. And, and I don't think he's show running, but he might be. So he's got like the big chair here. Yeah. And you, because I think they have got, um, I don't know why I assumed this, but I feel like they've got a lot of younger they writers do, they in, do. This, in this writer's room doing the different yeah. episodes. And so you can tell they've got some like, you know, there's some great lines. This episode's very well put together as a piece. Some very talented, um, writers doing some of this stuff and then fucking mattress Pike, Pike yeah, with yeah. his big grubby sausage fingers and a typewriter <laughs> fucking the whole thing up with the it was just it landed with such a thud well it's just and then it's both an insane thing to have in the episode but then the the the, the treatment and like the editing of it is just put such a big highlighter across it absolutely it's also fascinating because I, what I was building up to say before we had the reveal of what the moment was is we've got Charlotte cooking and you've got this t- and all this stuff happening and you're like, this is the worst Mrs. Doubt. You were sort of speculating, <laughs> yeah. like, how, what comedy beat are we yeah. going to milk out of Lily's having her period and there's a new person I, at dinner? My mind was racing. I thought that, and forgive me, but look, this is just tonally where the episode led me to believe it was going, that Charlotte would be assisting her teenage daughter, come back, had like blood on her hands or something and yeah. had to pass it off as cranberry soup. Some, some crazy shit like that. Something that is much more in the family of your classic comedy caper yeah then like just <laughs> then a fucking holocaust denial and I, it's joke it's like it's not reference? well the way that it's handled it's not built to be taken seriously there's no investigation of it no and then he's gone the guy who delivers it is then just just disappeared from the yeah i don't know why about, the moment is in the episode what about the call <laughs> that actor's agent gave him to be like, oh my God. we've got a role for you on the new Sex in the City series. <laughs> You're playing one of Anthony's boyfriends. He's you've a got Holocaust. A- <laughs> no, 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 you don't say that. You say, you've got a line. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've got a line. Oh my God, oh, I'm going to get my SAG card, yeah. finally. You're doing a scene with Kristen Davis and uh, oh my God. and Runkle. Oh my God, this is such a departure from my advertising yeah. career so It's going to be a um, it's a big opportunity for you. God, this is, this is going to be life-changing. One thing. Yeah. So the line, yeah, 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 is 
Well, it's only one line. You're a feature of the episode, but you've only got one line. Okay. Okay. I'm really... That's amazing. Uh, what a huge opportunity. Yes. And so, do you want to know the line? So, the scene yeah. is you're arriving for dinner and... Um, right. You're there as Anthony's partner and you're oh, meeting Charlotte and Rachel such a fan for the first of the show. time. This and so everyone's huge. kind of nervous because, yeah. you know, it's, no one knows how they're going to get along. It's, sure. It can be quite an intimidating thing being a new partner. And you arrive and uh, Charlotte has to rush off to do something. And um, you notice that it's a Jewish home. Okay, sure. And sure. so, great. great, I love it. We're in New York. Yeah. Yep. And so you say, uh, you know, the Holocaust is a hoax, right? And it's going to be a big opportunity for you. It's a. We're really excited about. Sorry, this. can you say the line again? Uh, you, so your line is, and I'm paraphrasing here. I don't have the script in front of me, but it's pretty much, you know, the Holocaust is a is a hoax. So what are you? And they're paying, you know, guild rates. You're going to get, uh, you know, great great money for this. Great exposure. It's a great opportunity. What do you say to that? It, it looks like you say yes, 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 and. <laughs> but it's the, the, yes, and I've been watching some interesting videos on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> the algorithm has started picking up on this conversation and directing me to a gentleman named Doctor Jordan Peterson. He's got some fascinating ideas. What I don't get is, um, like, the editing really sticks out to me. So I feel like there is some aftermath to this. Like, there's some more scene. That is not in the show. That is not in the show that we don't get to see. And I I would love to know what the intention how do you, how do you, behind okay. this was. Was it him nervously trying to make a joke and just, you know, we, we've all put our, put our foot in our mouths. Uh, a joke about Holocaust denial at a Jewish family's dinner is a pretty big version of that. But at least it's some awkward ground to play with as comedic tension, right? For but the not if the you, show. Not if you throw it out and then bail on the scene yeah. immediately. You know? I just so, so then it's just left to us as the viewers to determine is this guy a fucking neo Nazi that hooked up with Anthony briefly? Or is he a really inappropriate yeah. dude trying some humor to, you know, usher I mean, himself in? I agree that there probably is another scene between that and the dinner party and then never mentioning or acknowledging that it happened again. But I prefer the version, which is they just wrote it in that far and then just kept going and ignored yeah, it. Yeah. Fuck. Mattress uh, Pike, so, you son of a bitch. If I could just return to Charlotte and Lily's sort of subplot in this episode, Lily gets it like we were saying earlier, Miranda – Get some great opportunity. Like Miranda's got a real freedom, and Cynthia Nixon does some fantastic performing. She yeah, really good sort of shouting acting, which overwhelmed. <laughs> really funny, really funny. Charlotte and Lily, they've got a great sort of. They have a great caperish subplot where Lily's needing a lot of hand holding, a lot of guidance through the tampon application. And I also felt really happy to see, like, I could see a familial connection, maybe for the first time between Charlotte and Lily. Yes. I could see the way that Charlotte has raised Lily being reflected back to Charlotte. And a lot of that wasn't just uh, Kirsten. Davis. It was whoever the actor is. Who plays Lily? Oh, yeah, they, Lily was so good in this episode. Yeah, she's so she's funny. Been, she's been good all season. Uh, and I mean, that was a lot of fun. And then you've got Carrie trying to. Carrie's given an invitation at the start of the episode to uh, pick up her morning of big, and you know, basically, the show is like everyone 
knows that she's grieving and she's almost doing some of her grieving in private and we've moved on and then they introduce a new character who was in the last episode the jewelry designer oh yeah yeah, yeah is an yeah. opportunity for Carrie to, stoop girl yeah it's an opportunity for Carrie to resume mourning big yes. and she does through that's her plot to the entire so, so she's taking the wedding ring on she's putting st- it off stoop girl rocks up to Carrie's apartment and this is so sweet and she says I'm a jewel well sort of I guess it's kind of grind set hustle economy shit as well yeah but she heads upstairs and says to carrie bradshaw listen i'm a jewelry designer i made this for you i would love it if you would wear it and put it on your instagram because that is how i sell jewelry yeah which is just the times we live in she's not lying yeah it, it was realistic and then carrie's you know the guy I was lamenting his departure peter the teacher all of a sudden they remember he exists he's getting a bit of a play and peter's back carrie goes on a date with him but well they schedule say, a date yeah. and this was a nice tender moment they schedule a date yeah, it was. they both turn up carrie is there this is like three quarters of the way through the year i feel or maybe halfway through and uh peter says listen i've been a teacher for a long time immediately when he turns up he says i've been a teacher a long time i can read faces really well I'm assuming the dog, the dog ate your homework. And then Carrie said, look, this isn't going to work. Um, I, I didn't want to text you. I didn't want to break it off over text. That didn't feel right. And he was like, you know what? Thanks. And, and I what get did, it. What did he say at the end? He said like best, uh, what was it? Best, best rejection yeah, ever. Yeah, best rejection ever. It was really sweet. He is. A, a sweet he thing. seemed like a genuinely sweet guy. And it was brought up because Carrie has been back in the tumult of um, morning big. So she was. Yeah, yeah. And it, so, yeah, he, she says, I'm not ready. I've, I've been wearing my husband's wedding ring. And he says, look, I listened to my wife's, uh, vo- her last voicemail. And there's sort of Alina being friends. And then at the end of it, the rejection is like, well, that's strike two. Mm. And then they go away. And at the end of the episode, Carrie sends him a text being like, what do you think about strike three? And yeah, yeah. We're tantalized and excited. That's literally the last thing that happens. Whatever the fuck. <laughs> but uh, in between that, we've got our uh, sort of our supplementary supporting characters who represent the role of diversity in New York City who have been peppered throughout this season. So we've got Todd and Lisa Wexley arriving to paint a homeless shelter in a limousine. Really funny. Yeah, really yeah. fun. Yeah. We've got... Naya Wallace and Andre, mm-hmm. who are at a massive crossroads in their relationship. They've had this, are they or aren't they going to have a child subplot running throughout it? And it's it's been fun to watch it be the 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 man really wants the child and the 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 woman doesn't want the child and watching that tension sort of that dance that they're doing amongst each other and there was actually quite a delightfully uh challenging scene between them it was good it was well written it was it it was coming to a head uh it's just sorry guys sorry for enjoying the episode after and before the holocaust but i at the risk of and and do you know what's weird i kind of enjoyed that but for all the wrong reasons i i i I don't think for the reasons they intended i enjoyed it because it was do you know what it was perfect because this episode had so much great content in it and so much such great um overall really good structure it did feel very frantic and frenetic running around getting everyone's storylines into me at parts but lots of great performances lots of great writing we'd put the reins on carrie this episode which worked really well and it was like a reminder it's like hey just so you guys know you are still watching something made by Mattress Park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which means you cannot trust it. 100%. Do, do not fully relax at any point. I couldn't agree more. It was like, it was just a welcome alarm bell that they put in the middle of the episode to be like, by the way, this is all insane and you can't trust any of it. If it reminded me of anything, maybe the entire episode served as some sort of giant wooden structure in the shape of, um, I don't know, some four-legged... 
yeah. animal of something, some description. Something equine. Yeah. Something that you want to get past the gates of a large city, but then you've actually hidden a bunch of your soldiers <laughs> inside of the big wooden statue. Yeah. I... There's also some other Mattress Pikelet King details. And the soldiers are a Holocaust joke. (laughs) (laughs) Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Fuck. There's also some other delightful soldiers in there. Like, uh, we've still got the... Um, Carrie has an imaginary friend, sort of Seema, who we were speculating earlier in the episode. We were like, Seema and Carrie's scenes are all exist in a silo from the rest of her friends. Yeah. We are essentially replicating the St. Louis experience. And then almost in response to that, mm. Carrie arrives to paint. She, for some reason, Seema says, I'll come so, with you. If you've forgotten, because this was a, a long few time years ago. ago now. So when we were watching Sex in the City 2. One. One, sorry. Um, uh, Jennifer she, Hudson plays you. Louise. Jennifer Hudson's in it. But every scene with her is just her and Carrie. I mean, she never so meets anyone else. We established that she is an invisible and friend. And Seema is essentially fulfilling the same role. There's of, a lot of Carrie referencing Seema to yeah, other people. There's yeah, not yeah. a lot of other people seeing or no. spending time with Seema. And almost in response to that in this episode, Seema brings Carrie to paint the homeless shelter. So there's an opportunity for her to meet, mingle, and spend time with the friends. And she arrives immediately. She's like, nah, and walks away in a way that no one else might have seen. And then is just siloed off again, separate from all of the other people. Goes and sits by herself at an outdoor table smoking a cigarette. Looking cool as hell she does look fucking and cool another cool guy in a convertible shows up he's like what the fuck are all these people doing here yeah 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 he lights i got a club around this general neighborhood what the fuck are these peasants doing exactly this guy's cool as shit mainly for the reason that i speculate we've got an imaginary friend of carrie in seema and then seema is such a well fleshed out imaginary character because carrie is a writer that she has formed her own 
tertiary imaginary friend. Yes. So we've got like a derivatives market of imagined characters now. One hundred percent. I'm here for it. Yeah. And they they and they of, both smoke cigarettes. Yeah. And they get along. And they look cool as fuck. And the episode ends with Seema and Carrie going for a dance at his very cool, very real club. Mm-hmm. And speaking of that, just while I run through some miscellaneous before we run out of runway in this episode. One of my favourite parts. In fact, probably we haven't been doing a shining light this season, but aside from oh yeah, the phenomenal um, tonal interruption of having a Holocaust denier feature in a comedy cameo in this episode. Yeah, the footage of earlier on. It's turns out it's Seema's birthday. Seema and Carrie are waiting in line and to get into a, an exclusive and trendy club. And the way it's shot, they're sort of in the foreground and all oh, yeah. in the background, and it's shot from a low <laughs> angle, so it looks like they're normal sized and they are waiting in a line. Full of giants to get to a nightclub <laughs> that is for giants. You have to it be is, this tall it to introduce get to the, the concept that giants exist yes. in the Sex in the City. And there's so many of them that we had to build their own club <laughs> yeah, to party yeah. in. And for some reason, Carrie and Seema really want to go party with the giants. Oh. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, it, it was it was an enjoyable episode. I'm still, oh, I feel like Miranda and Shay are still on. Oh, God. The there was a very of- painful scene where they go to dinner. Everything between them is kind of painful. But there was they, they've done it together and interrupted by some fans of Shay, which I thought was going in a whole other direction. So they come over and say we're big fans, and then... Miranda, and they're like, can we get a selfie? Miranda says, I'll take it. I'll take the photo for you. And then they say, oh my God, are you famous too? And Miranda says, no, I'm just the girlfriend. Yeah. And there was a shot of Shay making a face. And I was like, uh, Shay doesn't like the label. That's what but I But that thought. never fucking well, came up. It, it did, but not in a way that they really, you know, they spotlighted that piece of acting in a way that suggested it was going to happen. But later on, when they're having a conversation outside her apartment, Shay says, you know, uh, stop trying to do boyfriends do this and girlfriends do this. That was in I'm response your, but, to a whole other yeah, moment. But also the sentence was said, I'm not your girlfriend or you're not my girlfriend. And they didn't dwell on it. Like they glossed over it. But um, basically I still live in fear of their relationship. I think it's all Miranda's going to come on too hot. It's, it oh, looks yes. like it's sorry, still poised I, it could go either way. Totally. And sorry, I did just want to um, mention as well that where I was going with that is there's a very – clunky line from Miranda where she so Shay says you look very beautiful tonight I think something like that you know yeah. pretty much that and uh, Miranda says and you look very whatever gender indeterminate um, like non-exclusive word for you and I just You're fucking say with- you look hot yeah, it's not hard. It's not hard to say someone but looks hot. It's, it's also not hard to say someone looks beautiful. I, Zoe says, I look beautiful sometimes. I love to hear it. Yeah, it's nice of her. Uh, yeah, there, there, there were, it was a, you know, Shay enjoyed that. It was a little, meant to be a little sort of moment where they're it's ju- it poking just, and prodding at each other. I don't know. In the name of love. I don't know. But the amount of, I feel like, here's my problem with the Shay Miranda thing. We're at 35 minutes, by the way. I can tell you're trying to (laughs) figure out the math. My problem is this. Shay has obviously been through a lot. If we take this character as a real person who's been through all the trials and tribulations of working out who they are. Yeah. And and like, there's lots of references to it in the show. I think we've had a discussion about about coming out to their family. Their family was very difficult or, or like perceived to be very difficult at the start and da da da. All of this shit. Really been through the ringer. 
I think a person in that situation wouldn't gravitate towards a middle-aged woman who is like at the start of that journey. No, I agree. It just doesn't make any sense to me that Shay would be immediately attracted to someone still very awkwardly figuring their shit out and breaking up their marriage to a man and doing all. I I mean, I think, but this is where I think they're setting it up because I agree. But I think there's an an initial allure, you know, like the allure of attraction goes beyond any logistical consideration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's true. There's a discovery. But Shay's also presented as a character who's got very good, like, boundaries for themselves. And, you know, I feel like the threshold of getting into a relationship with someone is quite high for them and that they have to, you know, really, it has to make sense. Yeah. Shay fucks a lot of people. We find that we assume. (laughs) No, we've been told, especially this episode, because those two fans who come up, they're like, oh, and you slept with our friend in Sioux Falls, and you slept with our friend in Arizona, and oh, you also fucked another one of our friends in California. Yeah. It's a fun moment. That is fun. (laughs) Yeah. it's. I mean, look, the the thing is, and this is what is a a triumph of the season, and this is why I, I speak with a sort of a giddy tone of voice as I reflect on it, is that I'm I'm in the absolute I'm enthralled by the season. <laughs> and they've they've got all these different balls in the air as yeah. we approach the season finale, perhaps the series finale, we don't know. Yeah. And um it's not where I expected to find myself and yeah. it's not without its flaws, but I have been totally taken for the journey of this um you know this program this and i again we're coming at it from a unique and unusual lens but mm. it's t- to be honest part of the fun i think is that i i'm podcasting you where we're both like falling over ourselves and each other to talk passionately about the thing we've just consumed it's it's highly unusual yeah i know but it's also just strikes me as infinitely boring because that's what everyone's podcast is about (laughs) (laughs) fuck that well to be fair we did quite a lot of homework to earn the right to do this yeah we did but you know we shouldn't stay in the valley yeah 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 yeah. um but it's it's also made me realize i think i always knew this in the back of my head but probably never acknowledged it out loud is that Sex in the City and all of these kinds of shows, they're so easy to, to hate on and to take two dudes such as ourselves that don't have a lot of relatability to these things and just throw fucking poo at it from the outside. But I can totally appreciate that a lot of people who have a dog in this fight in some way, some personal reference to the journeys that these people are going through, whether it is... Um, struggling with your sexuality, your gender identity, learning how to put a condom, uh, sorry, a tampon in for the first time and going through that with your mother, um, being widowed. Uh, there's all of these big life experiences that are being, uh, you know, attempted. attempted in this show, and albeit not always perfectly executed, but I imagine it would be a very comforting thing, particularly if you were of a certain age, maybe our age and slightly above who went through the TV show. So I was very familiar with these characters, has gone through some of these experiences, it, yeah. and are now along for the... I get it. Uh, I agree. And as someone who has only... You know, the basically, the the movies walked so this could run, because this stands on the shoulders of, in my eyes, the movies alone. All that other preamble that people have dicked around with... You may have heard the phrase, uh, standing on the shoulders of giants. This series stands on the shoulders of Smurfs. That is, (laughs) Sex in the City, the film, and Sex in the City 2, the film. Yeah. The movie. 
Uh, but it, it feels like a show that such dodgy scaffolding. Yeah. You actually, you it's know, a, episode nine, they've put up not a bad. It's found building. its place, um, and it's still its place is still happily insane. Best character, worst character. I'll start with right. the worst character. It's not a hard one this episode, Tim. It would be the neo-Nazi at the dinner party. <laughs> Best character, Lily. Uh, stressing yeah. out. Yeah. Having a lot of fun. There's a lot of comedy in it. Um, and like representing, I think very accurately, you know, the life of a teenage girl who's yeah. been brought up by her mum. Yeah. Nice. Charlotte. Yours, please. Best character, Seema's new boyfriend, oh, yep. who's yeah, probably yep. imagined, uh, who is just this club owner who rocks in to the scene, very hot, cigarette in hand, uh, mm-hmm. shirt unbuttoned, gold chain, with a um, swagger in a soft top convertible, just wanting to know what the fuck's going on in the neck of the woods while a uh, a charity drive, you know, a community event to restore a homeless shelter is going on. I, I like that energy on screen, not in real life, but I I love characters oh, like that on screen. Absolutely, it's I, cool. it, it gives me shades of when you liked. Um, I believe it was Sex in the City too. When you really took a shine Dick to Bob. Tom one episode. Oh, Tom, yeah, 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 like, yeah, yes, yeah. And I would say my least favorite character was Seema um, for a lot of reasons, but particularly because she went to this um, charity drive, charity drive community event to to restore the shelter with Carrie, and then immediately dipped. And it's like, well, if dude, you don't exist, you kind of have to dip to. No, I'm going to take it. No, because like Carrie, we're seeing some sort of rationalization of her through Carrie's mind prism. So she should have participated. It is an insane thing to do to actually go to the trouble of turning up at an event like that and not helping. You could tell by the way that Seema was dressed that she she was not actually going to paint. Oh, tied equally with my other favorite character, um, Lisa, Lisa Wexley, because what she was wearing reminded me a lot of Muammar Gaddafi's best suits. I, the height of his fashion. And for what it's worth, it reminded me a lot of Inspector Gadget's trench coat. With so, all of the cargo pockets were filled with like cosmetic care, hairbrushes, tweezers, all sorts of things. If you replace the golden hairbrushes and mirrors with like those military style brass and gold patches yeah. that Gaddafi would wear, um, very similar vibe. It's got to be said though, it's very satisfying to see every single pocket on like a cargo jacket or crammed with shit to be used. Yeah, yeah. All right, everybody. Um, we'll see you in the next episode. I think we're going to have... Uh, we will have some guests, eh, for the last Definitely. Time. Yeah. 100%. I don't know who it is yet. Thank you so much for joining us on this journey. It's been fun. Uh, and also, we're like we're cooking up a bunch of other cool shit. Yeah, there, so, there is... So if you're a Worst Idea fan, and hopefully if you're listening, you are, um, you know, we got some cool stuff. There's more... Yeah, on. there's more to come. Also, if you're in Melbourne or Sydney, I'm coming over to do the Melbourne and Sydney Comedy Festivals in April and May. Tickets come. are available. You got to come. You got to bring yeah. friends. You got to go to guymontgomery.co.nz. Co.nz. You'll find the ticket links. Yeah, 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 yeah. You'll have just, a good time. Just Google Guy Montgomery yeah. comedy. Why don't you just yeah. Google Guy Montgomery for once in your goddamn lives? And after you've done that, do whatever you want. Have a great life.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.